are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. The nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Good Monday morning, my dear buddies and constant companions of the Healthy Steps Radio Show, and thank you for keeping your radio dial tuned to WMNF Tampa. Dr. Harvey is joined today by Dr. Layla Abdullah with the USF Ross Camp Institute, and today they will discuss Gulf War Syndrome. Although downplayed by the VA for decades, it is now recognized as a multi-symptomatic condition that affects nearly 30% of the vets from the 1991 Gulf War. If you have any medical questions related to the Gulf War Syndrome, you are encouraged to participate by calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. And welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show, Dr. Abdullah. Great to have you here. And I'm just about done with my spiel, so I'll let Dr. Harvey introduce you and start the show. And of course, good Monday morning to you, Dr. Harvey. Gulf War Syndrome is one of those issues that those who are so quick to send our troops on off to war are also anxious to turn their back on them when they return. I hear that the new VA motto is, delay, deny, until they die. And now that I've stirred things on up, let me turn the show over to you. Well, thank you, Bill. Once again, a quite insightful and amusing introduction. Happy Monday. And a happy Monday to you and to uh, Dr. Abdullah. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy Monday as well. So exciting to have you here, Layla. Um, Dr. Abdullah, um, your um, um, uh, introduction to me by my good friend and f- husband of the former show host, uh, Dennis Plews, was wonderful. Dennis is a vet, and he uh, is well aware of many issues that veterans deal with. And uh, yes, Bill, you're on target. Um, it's really amazing how our Congress is so willing to send people to death and so willing to turn their backs on return. It's crazy. Um, service is service is service. And, and these men and women deserve all of our service for what they've done for us. And it's really, I've been following Gulf War Syndrome um, since the 90s when um, it was first described. And um, it's been quite a, a, a trip. And what's interesting is um, the shows recently are really correlating with um, um, all this ongoing chronic inflammatory illness problem. And that's that's where I see Gulf War syndrome. And Dr. Abdullah is well-versed in this. She um, got her U, uh, her uh, uh, biology bachelor's degree at USF and went on to um, get a master's in public health epidemiology. And then in neuroscience, she received her PhD um, at uh, Milton Keynes in the UK and her studies for 15 years have been basically looking at this neurodegenerative illness uh, with expert uh, 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 ideas in 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 lipid metabolism, fat metabolism, uh, general metabolism, or metabolomics and proteomics. And proteomics is the the expression of proteins that run the show in our bodies. And this stuff is so fascinating. Um, she is a well-known uh, um, uh, national speaker, and um, she has been years here at Ross Camp. In fact, she even started as a, uh, a research assistant in 1997. So she's been dealing with the Ross Camp for many years. Welcome, Dr. Abdullah. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the invitation and giving me the opportunity to talk about my research here. Thank you. 
Yes, yes. Your research is very exciting to me too, because we're all touching these syndromes that, that, um, affect so many people. I mean, I was so shocked, um, uh, looking at your presentation. I didn't realize it was a, a third of the Gulf War veterans that have symptoms. That's correct. So, you know, um, initially when the Gulf War veterans returned, um, Gulf War veterans returned, um, they were showing these signs and symptoms and no one really was sure what was going on because it was really unusual clinical presentation. Nothing that, you know, back, even back in the 90s, no, people were not familiar with these types of symptoms. So that made things a lot more complicated. Um, so it turned out that, you know, through the, the round surveys and a, a lot of the self-report symptom collection, data collection by the Department of uh, Defense and other organizations, um, that we learned that they were actually exposed to a number of chemicals. It's not like they were exposed to just one chemical. It was a number of different things, anti-nerve agents called uh, paradistigmine bromide that were given to them to protect them from sarin gas attack and things like that. Um, pesticides to protect them against pests. They were out in the desert and, you know, exposed to the nature there. And so it was the that and the heat and, you know, oil well fires. They were, yes. unfortunately, they got a mixed bag of exposures, uh, environmental exposures. And then they came back months later, they started to report symptoms. Um, and it turned out, you know, memory impairment, chronic fatigue, pain, uh, these were, and gastrointestinal, um, problems. These were one of the, some of the key symptoms, um, that stood out. And so since then, uh, numerous laboratory studies funded by the CDMRP GWI research program that was specifically designed to, to help veterans, um, deal, you know, fig figure out what's going on with their health. So those funding eventually led us to identify that, um, that these chemicals actually do cause these symptoms if in the manner that it has for Gulf War vets. So since then we, and you know, we've been lucky that we, a lot of Gulf War veterans have participated in some of the basic science studies, allowing us to study um, their blood samples and their data, their clinical health data. And now we know that it's, you know, how the body uh, processes and metabolizes things that we consume through our diet, they're, they're in our body. Um, all of those aspects are um, have changed since their exposure to Gulf War that's, uh, that are contributing to the symptoms that are reported by them. Yeah, it's really amazing. They they got exposed to so much. Um, you know, when when sent overseas, the uh, the um, uh, soldiers get uh, multiple vaccines as well with the the immune uh, dysregulation that occurs after massive vaccination that stirs things up. And and um, I heard stories. In fact, I, I've taken care of one man with a uh, Parkinsonian syndrome, um, and he described you know the black rain and and the exposure to the petrochemical toxins too. There's just so many layers of toxicity plus the stress of being in this environment uh, also puts that on there and it really disrupts our metabolism um, and that's where you study the the metabolism of, of uh, fats and that's where these toxins go right yeah so some of these toxins definitely can hide in their bodies um, in the fat deposits and sort of leach out over the years um, though you know we haven't worked on that aspect but uh, there are reports that suggest that um, we mostly focused on the chronic aspects, what happens 
you know, five years, 10 years down the road. Unfortunately, by the time we got involved in these studies, you know, number of years had already gone by. So we focused on what, you know, veterans are experiencing now. So um, in our lab studies, we, you know, we did the exposure in our, in our model systems. And then we looked, you know, what happens, you know, year down the road and chronicity is the important part, especially now since almost, since over 30 years have gone by. So our focus now is preserving the health and making sure that the aging aspects are not further um, affecting the veterans from this illness. When you, and, you talk about the exposure studies, um, you did those in, in mice, correct? Yes, mice models. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating. So you exposed these mice um, to, um, and were these mice already predisposed to neurologic degenerative issues or were they just normal mice? These were just normal, you know, normal laboratory mice. They're well maintained and healthy mm -hmm. laboratory environment. Everything is, you know, provided to them with much, a lot of care and, um, and you know, they're really, they're, they really have great life. <laughs> Um, and then when they receive these chemicals um, to recapitulate GWI symptoms, we can see that these chemicals, when in combination with each other, can cause um, certain symptoms that are reported by veterans with Gulf War illness. Yeah, so the, the mice seem to have more fatigue. They couldn't remember things. Um, and then when you did the metabolism stuff and you did the um, uh, necropsy, you found really interesting findings in the brain, right? Correct. We found that um, the brain, um, you know, the, the certain cells that take part in defending the brain from external immune influences, um, regulate the immune system and inflammation in the brain were lighting up as if, mm -hmm. you know, they were, they, they were lighting up as if there were foreign entities in the brain. So they were trying to defend the brain um, from inflammation, uh, basically what causes the inflammation just just like in your peripheral body the inflammation caused by viruses and things like that mm -hmm. same type of response were activated in the brain um so we could see that in in the brains and then um you know we so we focused on that thinking okay this is one aspect that can potentially target through different treatment paradigms and that's why um, part of what we ended up doing is trying to find treatments and by targeting the metabolism, we're we're looking to see if we can improve the the clinical outcomes in veterans with Gulf War illness, as we did in our mice. So the um, the metabolism that you're actually addressing here is this abnormal fat metabolism, right? Correct, correct. So um, there are two types of uh, there are two clinical trials currently going on looking at different aspects of metabolism. One is about regulating. Um, so one is called allele ethanolamide, and in short, I'll just call it OEA. Um, what it's generally known for, it's um, boosting the lip fat metabolism. So if there's, a, you know, um, if there's accumulation of triglycerides, and let me just step back, we actually are seeing increases in triglyc blood triglyceride levels in veterans with Gulf War illness, in addition to the inflammation that I mentioned. So you OEA, also... Do you also see an abnormality in the omega-3 fats? Correct, correct. We see an imbalances in how much there is omega-6, which is the bad fat, um, versus the omega-3, which is a good fat that comes from seafood and DHA supplements and things like that. So we see an imbalance in that. 
So OEA is basically meant to restore that. It's been shown to do that in our animal studies and others have shown that too. So, so OEA, OEA helps to restore um, which? Um, all the fat metabolism or? Yeah, it's actually supposed to reduce the triglyceride levels. Um, it's been shown that in animal studies. Um, and um, we know that it targets certain um, subcellular compartment that regulate uh, omega-3 uh, lipid metabolism. So we're mm -hmm. hoping to pick that up as a signal too in our clinical trials that we're doing that. And so is OEA a drug or is it available in foods we can eat? It is, uh, it's actually is available through our, you know, as part of our diet found in mm -hmm. millet and things like that. Um, it's it's a, basically a conversion of oleic acid. Um, it From our diet, what we're getting is really, really small amounts. So probably not sufficient. Um, but so it's, you know, it's basically a nutraceutical, um, right. type material, supplement type material that we're testing. Yes. Well, that's, this is fascinating. And, um, I would like to remind people that we are a call in engagement kind of show and we are on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. Yeah. And call in is sort of the, um, optimal word there. So I'm going to tell folks that you're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show. And Dr. Fred's guest today is Dr. Layla Abdullah, <clears throat> excuse me, and their topic is the Gulf War illnesses, and you are encouraged to participate by calling 813-239-9663 or send an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. And because I think this is such an interesting and important topic, I'm going to give the number again. It's 813-239-9663. Back to you there, Dr. Harvey. Thank you, Bill. And uh, oh, this is just really um, uh, putting some um, really a good structure to my understanding of what's happening in Gulf War syndrome because we didn't know for years and it's really paralleling what we know about like chronic fatigue syndrome and um, chronic Lyme syndrome and um, post uh, acute uh, SARS-CoV-2 or post COVID syndrome. Um, and, and it's all about this energy and you found some really interesting things about the energy and, and the reason that the fats build up in these uh, in the brain uh, is that that's part of the research you've been doing, right? Uh, yeah, that's correct. So the energy aspect, the way um, what we're finding is that certain uh, molecules that are needed to generate energy are going down in the blood of veterans with Gulf War illness, and we saw that in our mouse model. So the other clinical trial that we're doing, the pilot, which is also a pilot clinical trial, is that we're giving the nicotinamide riboside, which is a, also a supplement. And we're testing to see um, if it can restore those um, energy metabolites in the blood. And of course, blood is not brain. And what we see in the peripheral compartment may not reflect, but at least it's a step forward because um, it does, in, in our animal studies, we do see what happens in the blood reflected in uh, what happens in the brain. So have you seen actually um, a, a symptomatic change in the mice too with uh, a better stamina in their exercise and remembering the pathways and things better? Correct, correct. So a lot of those, you know, the, especially the fatigue feature seems to get corrected after um, supplementing with NR and our um, animal mice, mice model studies that we've done. That's really great. Um, uh, the nicotinamide um, um, or niacinamide um, 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 
ribosome, uh, that, that is really, um, um, a very uh, good molecule. We've been, we've been looking at this molecule for years. Um, orally, I, I used it 20 years ago and didn't find much uh, uh, effect, but currently people have been, uh, my colleagues have been using it a lot intravenously and having some really great effects in these energy deficient syndromes. Um, yeah, so it's it's been around. And again, you know, a lot of these are supplement formulation and um, should be tested in, in a proper clinical trial settings. And that's one of the things that we're doing, um, you know, because they, they vary in their how uh, in their production and things like that. So just, you know, just to be to cautious, to be cautious about that. And so that's why we're testing these and to make sure that they are actually good quality and can be used. Um, so there's a lot of regulatory checks and balances here. Yeah, I think that's really important. Um... Yeah, the, the 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 work you're doing is really fascinating. I was looking at the um, uh, the the article uh, where you uh, looked at the 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 fat, the lipid synthesis, and um, you you made a there was a quote in there um, that um, said no studies have been reported on reducing the very long chain fatty acid lipid synthesis by inhibition of the ELO VL4 enzyme, which is the one that creates these fats. And, and you go on to say in the article that a potential problem of such inhibition is that too low a level can also cause severe neurologic abnormalities. And we've seen this because there are these mutations that have occurred in this gene that creates this protein that makes these fats. And, and people that have this problem have some significant clinical syndromes. And we don't want to induce that by blocking this enzyme that creates this protein that extends the, the fats. So, um, uh, the thing is, um, have you, um, um, found that, um, using, it seems that you found that using the, uh, OEA doesn't, uh, uh, inhibit the, the, the enzyme and this protein to the point where it causes problems. It actually is just slowing it down. So it can, it seems that it's slowing it down or, or, or on the other hand, uh, are you finding that it's actually increasing elimination of the very long chain fatty acids? Um, we, 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 the way it's working is as a systems level targeting rather than targeting a specific enzyme. Right. Um, as I was mentioning, it, it affects, um, proliferation of, uh, these organelles called peroxisomes. Yes. And what it does is that it allows them, um, so we're thinking that some of the functional ones that with maybe with GWI, the functionality is affected of those. So if we allow them to proliferate, um, some of that function is restored. And that's essentially what we're targeting in a way. So, you know, it's not a one molecule approach. It's, it's a systems level approach. And, um, and we're understanding with more advances in these, what they call the omics technology. Um, yes. We're understanding that it's a systems level issue that we need to think about. So when you mentioned the omics level technology for our listeners, the omics level is where we're looking at how the systems work together. So proteomics is looking at the protein production and the protein activity in the body. And genomics looks at the genetic structure and the genetic uh, uh, expression in the body. Metabolomics looks at the whole picture. So this omics level is totally the functional medicine world. This is how we approach looking at humans rather than looking like Dr. Abdullah said, looking at one specific target 
enzyme or receptor like many Western medicines do. This is a systems-wide shift. This helps you change function across the board. Is that the way you would describe it, Dr. Abdullah? Yes, very, very good. Thank you. Yes, I love what I do. Um, I love functional medicine. This is the way we're going to actually fix problems going into the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, indeed. And we have a caller on the line. Are you ready for a question today? Sure. Okie dokie. Here you go. Hey, Chris, how are you doing this morning? Good to have you on the show again. Oh, good morning. Thank you, doctors, uh, Abdul and Harvey. Um, I was. Uh, my question is, do you think that the uh, fat metabolism may have to do with uh, body trying to wrap toxins in uh, in cholesterol and fat uh, until it maybe can. I know it's a, been described as a protective mechanism for the vital organs until the body can uh, detoxify uh, those those things. Um, you know, it's kind of body ferrets them away in, in the fat, like we would throw something in the garage or the closet until we can get around to it. And um, and what are the causes of uh, Gulf War syndrome? Uh, over the years, I've uh, come across a, a few, and I don't, I don't know if you'd like to comment on them. And and what are the effects of uh, each of these causes? Any of the causes that you uh, believe, um, if you want to, you know, attribute a cause to an effect to, to a symptom or a syndrome or part of the syndrome, um, like the depleted uranium uh, that was used uh, in the munitions. Uh, which are uh, not depleted. They're actually, um, you know, have a half-life of a couple of million years or more. Chris, uh, I think yeah. one of the really interesting things is all of these line items are important, but they contribute to the whole. And when you're looking at yeah. systems-wide issues, the line items from each one aren't really relevant um, in so much as they all contribute to the dysfunction, which in my opinion, and I think possibly Dr. Abdullah, she's got an answer here too, that it's the uh, energy, the mitochondrial dysfunction uh, yeah. resulting in uh, much of the problem here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, just just prevent our government from making these repeating the same mistakes. Uh, the burn pits, like those, are, the, the no. Yeah, these all these yeah. all contribute. These and, all contribute. The but what's your question, shot, Chris? The, the experimental anthrax shot. The right, right, right. These all contribute. But what's your question? In mycoplasma incognitus, the Dr. Don Scott. Uh, yes, yes. You're mentioning all the line items. They, these are all real. But what's what do you want to know? Yeah, I just uh, wanted to validate that uh, there's so many different things that are. Uh, government has caused uh, that you know they're exposing our soldiers to you know, these uh, things in the field of battle that uh, they're necessarily exposed to. So th those are my questions, and you know, of course the fat metabolism being altered with that your alteration uh, that you found maybe because of the toxins they're trying to um, sequester away in, into the fat. So fat sequestration, Dr. Abdullah, what do you think about that? Um, there, as I said, I have not studied um, studied the specific aspect of uh, you know how the toxins get sequestered away, but there are, there are researchers who are investigating that, and they do find that some of these end up in the adipose tissue, and they so they can stick around for a while there, and then potentially leach out. Um, but but I have not studied that, but I'm sure there's there's literature on that uh, which I reviewed in the past and it does look like that um there might be other reasons um it's just the maybe um how body metabolizes maybe there's with such overexposure the machinery that contributes 
contributes to detoxifying the body is probably overwhelmed and these are sticking around longer than you would anticipate. Um, so there are a number of different reasons and all of these are very active areas of um, research as we are getting more and more aware of an environmental exposures leaching into our daily daily lives. Um, so these are becoming very important avenues to investigate. So yes, um, I think that's important, definitely an important question and it's definitely well worth studying. And, and so the supplement, supplements that uh, maybe for mitochondrial function, you know, that ties in with the fat metabolism, uh, what would you recommend maybe like a acetyl carnitine that allows the fats to cross uh, across the cell membrane to, for the mitochondria to be metabolized or alpha lipoic acid that's a a fat and water soluble antioxidants or uh, other things for the mitochondria? Um, so, as I said, the, this is all a very um, active area of investigation, and definitely there are studies out there that support, um, you know, antioxidants as a support for mitochondria. And again, um, we know little of how that works in humans, but research studies, laboratory studies definitely are pointing to that direction. And so it's, I think it's worth investigating, taking these things forward in human um, experimental studies in a controlled and properly designed manner. So um, that you know that's part of what we're doing right now, uh, at least in relation to Gulf War illness. Great, thank you so much for helping save vets and give them true hope. Take care. Thank Thanks, you. Chris. All right. Bye bye. Dr. Abdullah, I was reading those articles again, and I, I had this thought about what's going on here, about the fat buildup. And uh, I think Chris's question about the sequestration of toxins is, is really important because I do believe there is evidence that does occur. But in this case, it looks like there's two different things going on here. And the, the production of the fats um, may be um, um, accelerated with that ELO VL4 enzyme creating more long fats. But there's another problem when it comes with energy and the peroxisomes need to break down the fats and without the mitochondrial energy, they can't break it down. So um, <clears throat> the, the, the fats build up. So if we try to download by adding more energy and help the mitochondria work better, that's gonna help open up the system. But on the other end, is there any evidence that there are specific things that induce the ELO VL4 enzyme to produce more of that protein in, to, to make more very long chain fats? Um, so those were initial hypotheses and that we have not, we sort of focused on the mitochondria part of it and mm -hmm. on proliferation of proxosomes to help the metabolism. Cause we think that, you know, from our studies, there's more evidence that that's a more of a predominant feature, um, not just ours, but other. Okay, um, good other studies. So, you know, others have also shown that. So we focused on an area that is sort of well established in Gulf War illness, but you bring up a good point. It's the, it's the production as well. And that's definitely worth pursuing um, as well. And hope we hope to get to that in our other studies. Excellent. Excellent. I think the, uh, the really important thing though is making sure the mitochondria work. That's, that's one of the, uh, things that all of us functional medicine practitioners work on. But, you know, um, uh, we have to have more enzymes in the mix, so to speak, to have it move forward. And we need some more calls to keep the show going. So this is WMNF 88.5 Tampa. Absolutely. And let's encourage these callers. I mean, Chris did a great start, but it's gone to, uh, a little, a little too quiet for my liking. <clears throat> well, except for that little tickle-toff. 
Um, I'm calling. I'm asking people to give a call. Irene's waiting in the control room for us. The number to jingle is 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails to dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. So the Christmas challenge is out to you all now. Give us a call, 813-239-9663 and get in on the conversation with Dr. Fred and Dr. Abdullah about Gulf War illness. Back to you, Doc. Thank you. Thank you. So, Dr. Abdullah, tell us um, what, uh, specifically what your thinking is on the mitochondria. Um, tell us, uh, uh, for the listeners, how is it that taking the uh, um, niacinamide ribosome, uh, how does that um, uh, uh, work in, or the riboside, um, uh, how does that work to help create more energy? Um, so, yes, yeah, so basically the idea is that, um, you know, we're, these, the, the support was called the oxidative phosphorylation and just general energy generation in the mitochondria. So they support the um, TCA cycle, which is the glycolysis. Um, and again, so by, um, you know, by supplementing, we're, we're hoping that this can get inside the mitochondria and actually, you know, supplement um, the lack of it in the mitochondria and in helping to generate energy. Yes. And so um, in, in uh, creating this, um, it's very simple because um, uh, niacinamide is uh, B3 and uh, we attach it to this simple um, uh, sugar that helps it uh, get into the cellular uh, mix better. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. So, um, so basically the, the um, or it's also known as niacin as well, right? So on its yes. own, it's poorly, it doesn't take get taken up by body as well as whenever you attach that sugar moiety to it. And um, so it gets, you know, basically gets the transport going. And so uh, once we get into the mitochondria, it's going to generate NAD, which is part of the ATP cycle, correct? Yeah, so it, it helps support the uh, generation of energy, the ATP, basically, yes. Yes, and that's the critical thing to run the mitochondria and to help get these fats metabolized out of the body. Um, and, and so here, here's an interesting thing. The, the brain is 60% fat. And, and so we're having a problem here, though, with fat in the brain. So what, what's the difference between this fat, the fat that insulates the nerves, the omega-3 fats, and how and why are these fats not able to be used as an energy source? So, um, so you know, the, that's a really good question, actually. And so there are certain fats you want to use for energy um, that are usually much shorter and less saturated. Yes. Um, but these long chain, they're actually more for structural support, um, maintaining the cellular membrane. And if once you start, they actually, some of them can be metabolized to, you know, dampen the inflammation. They're only actually just brought out for for that, so for example, it's shown that if you have the more of the animal fat, the omega sixes, which is also the major one of those, is arachidonic acid. So if you have too much of that, it fuels um, generation of these lipid mediators, what they call, which actually um, promote inflammation in the body. So the omega three, if you replace the cellular structures and the membranes with omega three, you sort of balance that out a bit more. 
Um, it's omega-3 is also important for synaptic um, formation and, uh, you know, maintaining synapses. So it has a lot of, uh, you know, great function in neuronal membrane. Um, but, and, and uh, our body is not able to make DHA, so it has to come from our diet. Um, so a lot of it comes from fish oil. And unfortunately, um, right now, the fish itself is a lot of it's farm, farmed and not from sea. And so that affects availability of this particular lipid in our body. One thing to for everybody to remember is that uh, canned salmon is always wild and always high in omega-3 and much less expensive than buying fresh fish. <laughs> so um, how much um have you seen in in study or in in your work uh, how how much omega-3 is helpful in this situation um i have not studied omega i'm, I'm hoping to study omega-3 supplementation but i myself have not studied but there are others who have um and they do show that it supports cognition and memory if it's you know available earlier on um, and part of you know as part of a mediterranean diet and it's always been um, you know, it's always been known that it has Mediterranean diet has quite a lot of health benefits. Um, but again, this is, you know, we're dealing with complicated, um, pathways in the body. And so, um, so in Gulf War illness, we have not been, we have not studied omega-3 and that's something I think, especially as veterans are aging, um, probably becomes important to do so. Yeah, I think so, especially since the DHA is abnormal in this situation and they may need to get a good flood of DHA in there to help move uh, out the system. Another thing that fascinated me about this was um, that these very long chain fatty acids that are causing problems are also, they're very similar to the um, ones that are in the uh, the insulation, the myelin sheath, are they not? Yes, um, they, they tend to be more on the, on the myelin side, the sphingolipids, they're part, part of those structures um in the body yes and so if, insulation if, becomes important yeah and so does this actually help disrupt the myelin sheath because there's too many of them are they the wrong ones um i have not studied that but that's a really good question and probably worth investigating further but um i'm not sure there's a good enough evidence in science where they've actually explored that in de any detail yeah, it's a it's a tough question. And there's so many because it's such a diverse syndrome. And Chris was pointing it out. I mean, all the things that <clears throat> the the radiation, the petrochem, the the infections. Um, uh, one of the things that I, I saw and you weren't familiar with this and I haven't found the article. Actually, there was a guy named Garth Nicholson who was studying this back in the late 90s. And uh, he also worked with a very interesting woman who's been uh, uh, I don't think he worked directly, but in the same time, uh, one of the uh, COVID disinformation disseminators, Dr. Miskovich, um, she was actually looking at a possible contaminant in the vaccines of a virus that was part of the processing. And I don't know where that ever went. But again, for me, that's just another layer of uh, toxic uh, 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 influence because all of these conditions seem to me to be a, a, a triggering from infection, uh, toxin, uh, uh, stress, et cetera, and, and causing an abnormal um, feed forward inflammation loop. Because what I see is these excess, very long chain fatty acids cause inflammation. And then the inflammation that comes in with the white blood cells produces more inflammation to produce a forward um, uh, feed uh, loop that causes more damage. Is that 
the way you see these things happening? Um, I don't know about the vaccine and those drugs. I have not studied that, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, with the chemical exposure, yes, I, I definitely a chance that, you know, these, the body tries to correct it and it somehow overshoots and, and, and it contributes to inflammatory processes. Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of work still needed to be done in that area. Oh, I agree. This is wide open. And and the funny thing is the 90s were the decade of the brain, but I think that we missed it. We, we're still still looking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have a caller on the line. Yes, we do indeed. We've got Bob, but I'm also going to take this moment to give on out the number one more time because Irene's waiting to take your call. Give us a jingle at 813-239-9663 and join the conversation with Dr. Abdullah and Dr. Fred Harvey on Gulf War illness. That number is 813-239-9663. Somebody took us up on that. I got a ringing light, but let's go to Bob. Good morning, Bob. Um, yeah, hello, doctors. I um, The question I have is isn't probably on topic, but I read an article about <clears throat> CBD gummies reversing dementia and also helping memory loss. Um, I've never heard of that before, and uh, my wife said probably crazy, but I thought I'd give you a call and find get your opinion would you like take that dr abdullah <laughs> i have not come across that article there are you know there are thought processes that you could target the receptors that you know that respond to the cannabinoids and the endogenous uh cannabinoids endocannabinoids is what they're called um that there's there are processes in the, in the in the brain that respond to it and there are potential anti-inflammatory effects um and actually the oleal ethanolamide oea is an endocannabinoid um but uh, you know but it has multiple functions not just endocannabinoid so you have to be careful with um with some of that because there's still a lot of science that needs to be done before we could come to that conclusion well Hi, I'm glad I asked. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I didn't realize that OEA was also uh, one of the uh, endocannabinoids. That's excellent. And so um, what we know about the endocannabinoids is that they are anti-inflammatory. And I did see a study um, related to CBD and prevention of um, deterioration of dementia. I don't think uh, the word cure comes into this, but any tool that we have that can help reduce brain inflammation, I think is a tool worth trying if it doesn't have an adverse consequence. And um, CBD doesn't really have an adverse consequence that I have seen unless you're sensitive to can uh, 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 hemp. Um, so I think it's actually a good thing for everybody to use on a regular basis, not THC, but CBD, because it's uh, really beneficial for our inflammatory systems. It calms them all down. Yeah, I think the research is still not quite there yet. And, I, you know, I will not myself promote any of that yet until I've done the research. So I just want to step back and say that these all look interesting in the laboratory settings, um, yet there's very little human studies done that are well-structured, well-designed, and those need to be done before we can know, we can understand, we have to understand a lot more about these systems, especially given that the brain is so complex. So I think a lot more research needs to be done in that area. And Dr. Sure, they, they look promising in the labs. 
Yeah, and you're totally on target with that. And there's a difference here in when I'm talking about um, just general use, I'm talking about it as food. Um, and, and you're coming from a treatment standpoint, and, and they're totally different ways of looking at it because hemp seeds have hemp oil, and they're going to have some CBD in it, and they're just a good food. Uh, we've been eating hemp for um, eons. And so if we get a diversity of different plant and animal oils and, and phytochemicals and vitamins, we have the most uh, resilient internal structure. And so using all these tools um, really is helpful, but not necessarily directly in treatment. And Dr. Abdul is so on it, we need to do more research. We need to actually decriminalize cannabis in this country and be able to actually study it without having to jump through hoops that are ridiculously stupid. Um, heck, I mean, you can buy the poison alcohol anywhere on the street, but they're restricting this beneficial herb for unknown reasons, except for cash, I think. <laughs> So um, I think we uh, uh, really are, uh, um, we haven't had any emails today. This is an interesting concept. We have lots of vets living down here and um, I'm, I'm surprised that we don't have more engagement from veterans. Um, remember, we are on WMNF 88.5 Tampa. Yes, we are. And you're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey. And his guest today is Dr. Leila Abdullah and they're talking about the Gulf War illness. We're getting down to about the last 15 minutes or so. So, again, the challenge, give us a call, 813-239-9663, or send your emails to dj at wmnf.org. And um, I think we did just get an email. I sent it on off, so seconds ago. And um, don't forget, 813-239-9663, or dj at wmnf.org. Back to you there, Dr. Harvey. Dr. Abdullah, would you tell us a bit about the Ross Camp Institute and um, um, what uh, what actually you're all doing there and um, how um, uh, we can get, uh, and then about your studies too. We'll talk about that. Great. Um, so the Ross Camp Institute, we're located in Sarasota, Florida. It's a standalone, not-for-profit institute dedicated in working on um, Alzheimer's disease, traumatic brain injury, and Gulf War illness, as well as other um, neurodegenerative diseases that affect the brain, um, but those are our primary focus. Uh, and we basically, um, over the numbers, numbers you here, we've done a lot of these translational, what they called translational studies, is taking things from laboratory and moving it into clinic. We've had um, a good success with uh, with one of the Alzheimer's um, treatment. We did see a positive response. Um, in a phase three trial that was done overseas, um, and we're you know we're developing that program right now through um, through medical research funding through NIH, um, and um, similarly we you know we apply the same um, structure to Gulf War illness, and that's how we've gone from uh, laboratory studies into into these clinical trials, which I mentioned for the OEA and the um, nicotinamide riboside. They're actively recruiting right now. We really need, we've been really lucky that we've had so much support from our Gulf War veterans um, participating in these and other studies. We could not have learned what we what we know now without their help. So we really need this final push um, to get through um, the remainder of the recruitment for this trial. Um, the OEA clinical trial is done exclusively at the Ross Camp Institute, but nicotinamide riboside has two sites. 
One is at NOAA Southeastern University and the other one, of course, at the Ross Camp Institute. We're recruiting right now at both sites. Um, and uh, basically, uh, you know, we um, just uh, we're looking for veteran Gulf War veterans to take part in studies who've been diagnosed with Gulf War illness. So, um, so yeah. Um, and um, I'm trying to find the phone number. <laughs> Um, can I, I have do one. That phone number. I have a phone number right here. Oh, great! Yeah, um, it's um. Is it for you? Excuse me. Supposed to call Grace Bartenfelder. That's correct. At nine four one two five six eight zero one eight extension three zero four six. That's Grace Bartenfelder at nine four one two five six eight zero one eight extension three zero four six. That's to get involved in the Ross Camp Institute studies in Gulf War syndrome. Thank so, you. Yeah, you're welcome. I hope uh, vets hear this and they get out there and make the call because this is really fascinating stuff. And um, oh, by the way, is the nicotine nicotinamide study is that an uh, oral or an intravenous study? Oh, they're both oral studies. Yes. Okay, good. That makes it very easy for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And it's a short study. It's about 15 weeks. Um, mm -hmm. Does you know just a couple of visits uh, over this 15 week period? There's a randomized double blind control period that takes place over 10 weeks. And then after that, we have about, uh, about five weeks of open label where everybody, even if they were on placebo, um, get the, the treatment. So we get, you know, we make sure that the opportunity is available to all the Gulf War vets to experience um, the, the supplement uh, as well as the, you know, participate in the blinded phase. Yes, excellent. Um, and so, um, the keys for these studies is you're looking to look at the blood biomarkers of lowering inflammation and looking at good lipids and looking at energy molecules. And also then to see that the patients have improved in their clinical function, right? That's correct. So the idea is that first we're going to look at the blood. Sorry, uh, hang on. Um, <laughs> the garbage truck just decided to <laughs> drive by now. Um, <laughs> So hopefully you can hear me okay. Yes, we hear you. Uh, one second. Sorry. Okay. So the idea is that um, we can, um, the, the study procedure involves taking some blood samples at each of the in-person visits. And then the idea is that uh, we collect the blood samples and then we look at um you know, as you mentioned, the inflammatory markers, the markers of energy usage and lipids to see if we can, we're correcting the lipid profiles. And mm -hmm. then we're also checking to see how the general well-being of the veterans are improving or not improving. Excellent. Excellent. Hey, we got an email. Um, a, uh, a vet is asking us, what are your thoughts of the use of fluoroquinolones in Gulf War vets and the effects of that on their health? Sorry, it was a bit noisy here. Can you repeat that? I can. What are your thoughts about the use of fluoroquinolones in Gulf War vets and the effects of that on their health? Uh, I'm sorry, but I have not studied that. Um, so sorry, I'm not able to answer that question. But yes, I hear you. I'd be happy to investigate that and send you an email back. That'd be great. And maybe we'll talk about that again. Um, I have um, 
just overall with fluoroquinolones, um, as we age, they are a, a less attractive um, solution for infection. If we can find another answer after you're 60, um, you probably would like a different antibiotic because of the effects on collagen structures, specifically tendons and ligaments in the body. And so um, I think that Gulf War vets are already in, uh, well, Gulf War syndrome vets are already in a situation where their overall um, function and energy function is lower. So their mitochondria are not working and they don't metabolize things as effectively or efficiently. So they may be at more risk. But again, I haven't seen any specific data on that. I just know that quinolones are a difficult thing to metabolize as we age. And so, um, yeah, I think it's worth really considering whether or not you need that medication when you're looking at treating any kind of infection. Um, especially over 60, it, it has caused significant amounts of problems. Um, and especially then in people, you know, any, anybody that's dealing with the kind of syndromes that we functional medicine uh, doctors deal with, uh, the, the chronic, um, uh, you know, fatiguing illnesses. Uh, all of these things have fatigue, memory issues, brain inflammation, body inflammation, pain, diffuse pain, uh, and, and it's all related to the mitochondrial dysfunction. And that's, I think, one of the most important things to do. And uh, Dr. Abdullah's work is on, on mitochondrial function here. Using the NAD is just brilliant. Um, and um, uh, you've had about 10 people so far in the NAD study? Um, we're actually recruiting a 14th person as oh, we good. So, yeah. Um, so yes, we need to get to 52. Um, so we're a long way away. Um, but we're doing very well with the OEA clinical trial. Um, we're at 30 right now. We just need another 22. So, um, we're almost there. The sooner we can get there, the sooner we can learn whether, um, these, these are, you know, appropriate ways to, address symptoms of Gulf War illness as well as correcting underlying biology. Yeah, it's so important. Um, um, one of the keys of doing good clinical research is getting enough people in it to get enough information to make the information significant. Uh, you know, a, a study of one gives us an interesting story about a person, but you have to get to a study of many to get a, a, a an idea of to whether it's going to work in a large population. So um, getting more people into Dr. Abdullah's studies is really important. Thank you. Yes. You're, and like I said, we've been really lucky with all the Gulf War vets who participated. They're really tremendous and take, you know, effort on their part to taking their time out. We're really grateful and we thank our participants um, for taking part in these studies over the years. And we couldn't have gotten this far without them. So really just need that final push to get through and, and we're home free. Yes. It's so amazing. And, you know, I've seen another uh, similarity, a, 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 uh, I took care of one person who was uh, at Ground Zero 9-11, a firefighter who was exposed to uh, who knows what there. And um, he had very similar symptoms to the Gulf War um, um, patients, except that he also had terrible pulmonary problems, um, developed some inflammatory fibrosis because he inhaled all that junk. And so, um, but he got significantly better using, um, you know, mitochondrial support techniques. It's really one of the most important things we can do because mitochondria process everything in our body. And um, the uh, NAD supports that mitochondrial function. Have you found anything with coenzyme Q10, Dr. Abdullah? 
have not, but um, some of the clinical studies in Gulf War veterans have been promising, and I think large-scale clinical trials are also ongoing by other investigators working uh, working in this CoQ10. Yes, I see that too. So um, we're coming down to the end here. Do you have any uh, last words or comments about um, the work you're doing and, and what we can do? Um, I think... You know, it's it's great um, that all the efforts that's gone into supporting Gulf War illness research through the CDMRP as well as as the VA. Um, and I think, you know, unfortunately, the GWI research program has doesn't exist and it's sort of converted into toxic exposure. But I hope that um, the science that to to study Gulf War illness, especially now that the veterans are aging. I'm hoping that we can continue doing that because it's actually more important now than ever. It's so true. And and it's even, you know, the toxic exposure is the, the big part of this. And, and uh, you know, we're looking at the uh, polyfluorinated substances, the PFAS, the, perve- the, the permanent chemicals, the forever chemicals that are on all these uh, bases. So there's so much work for us to do. And I thank you for doing your work. Um, uh, hopefully uh, we can talk about how your studies are going again in the future. This has been uh- wonderful. Absolutely. Happy to share more research as, as it becomes available. Thank you for the opportunity to um, reach out to Gulf War Vets here and other veterans about our research. Thank you. Yes, you're so welcome. Thank you again and uh, have wonderful holidays and a great new year. I just wanted to let everybody uh, know that um, next week I'm taking the day off. I am going to uh, have a kind of a best of show. Josh is already in the editing mode for that. And uh, so um, I'm going to take it off. But uh, unless I can find somebody who wants to be my guest on January 2nd, I will be here and I will be here alone. And I'm going to uh, give you guys a New Year's gift. It's called Ask Me Anything. So uh, two weeks from now, I'll be back with Ask Me Anything. Next week, uh, enjoy some of the best of 2022. Happy Christmas. Happy New Year. See you all soon. And likewise. Hey, happy Christmas. And likewise to you, Dr. Abdullah, and to uh, Dr. Fred. And Dr. Fred, you're never alone. I'm always in the studio with you. That's so end, true. On the other end. And so until next Monday at uh, 10 o'clock, I'd like to thank everybody and Dr. Fred and all of our participants and listeners and give a special shout out to Irene. She did a fantastic job. And to everybody out there, take care, stay healthy, happy holidays, and see you in a couple of weeks, Dr. Harvey. You've been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. Coming on up is five minutes of NPR news and then get ready for the Sustainable Living Show hosted by the Cracker Jack team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. In the studio today is their guest, Bob Lindy, a local herbalist and acupuncturist. So until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. You are a community conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved.